Welcome to the Genesis Speaks podcast, the transformative power of women's stories, a platform that empowers women's storytelling to promote collective vulnerability, acceptance, and healing. I am your host, Jennifer Malcolm, self-made entrepreneur, women advocate, and life balance expert. Welcome back to the next episode of Genesis Speaks podcast, the transformative power of women's stories, where every woman has a story and every story matters, and that means you. I'm Jennifer Malcolm, your host, founder and president of Genesis and Associates, and women's voice advocate on Genesis Speaks. With me today is dear heart, Christy Tripodi from Cornerstone of Hope. Uh, I've known Mark and Christy and Cornerstone for about six years I think Christy and I, though, only officially met about two years ago, and just instant uh, spirits and instant connection, and when you have that heart warmth and connection and the beauty of just transparency and friendship, that was there automatically with Christy, so welcome, Christy. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm going to start with your little bio here, and then we're just going to jump right into your story. Okay. All righty, so... After losing their three-year-old son, Bobby, to an unexpected and fatal illness, Christy Tripodi and her husband, Mark, founded Cornerstone of Hope, a nonprofit organization that provides a wide range of grief support services. Christy and Mark's personal journey led them through healing from their own grief to helping others to heal. Their commitment is a tribute to the little boy that they lost. Christy joins me today to share her personal experience with grief, how that experience drove the decision to launch Cornerstone and what she has learned from the lasting impact unresolved grief can have in people's lives. So welcome and I am honored. I know that you have been a busy bee this last uh, four to six weeks and I, I am really blessed that you took the time to be here with us today. You're so sweet, Jen. Well, I'm honored that you would ask me really. I was telling you earlier that God always wants to keep me humble. So <laughs> this is humbling to do, but I appreciate that you uh, feel like I hope that my story will, you know, help others at a time when, um, you know, as we're coming up on the holidays, it is a really hard time. And this has been a heck of a year. And those that are grieving are definitely more isolated and alone than they have ever been. And um, in a year of COVID, it's truly, um, truly tough, really. Truly difficult time, let alone going through um, the pain of loss and love. Um, it's also really isolating to have to separate yourself from people that could, you know, walk you through the journey a little bit more too. Right. Yeah, and I and I feel like through because I've had numerous friends that have lost parents through this, spouses, and not just necessarily from COVID, but just through life and uh, unexpected death or unexpected heart attacks, some through COVID, but even that ability or inability to properly uh, process the, you know, funeral, a public, you know, gathering, the gathering of family where things are isolated and or where funerals, you know, have been put on hold for months. And I'm sure that you guys have had impact or people reaching out. So can you share with the audience a little bit about that piece of just grieving through COVID? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it does not allow the grief process to um, happen for, for those individuals. Um, part of, yeah, that closure that you 
need so desperately is being able to do a, bar- a proper burial, having your loved ones come through and, and, you know, feeling the support and love, to, love of your um, family and friends. And, and to not have that fully is truly, it's, it's a disruption in, in an even greater way for those that grieve. Um, I can't even imagine what people are going through this year. I honestly can't even imagine. Um, Cause it means everything. It's so, so silly and strange, but you remember the people that don't show up um, and you really remember the people that do. And when they can't, oh, I can't, I I can't, I really, my heart just breaks for people that are going through this right now. Well, it just magnifies that isolation. It does. It magnifies it in a huge way. Yeah. And that ability to just connect, break bread together, have a meal you know, be at the services together and have some closure in that regard. And that, you know, we've been on, a lot of people have been unable to experience that in 2020. It's definitely um, a very difficult year and on so many levels, but yeah, the grief process is truly, um, truly being um, just very tested in a way that nobody could possibly have ever thought would have happened in this so take a moment and tell the audience about your beautiful family because you and mark when you, we see you out a in public you guys do you know, i don't know if you I probably did more modified this year with covid but you guys do fundraisers you're out in the community your children are there with you so just tell the audience a little bit about the blessing of the the children that you have in your life because i know you have several and there's a age span between them you're so sweet. We do. We have um, eight children on earth now, which uh, I honestly can say we would have never had um, if it weren't through the death and loss of our son. Um, but I think when you go through something like that, uh, just everything changes. You can throw all those plans that you had out the door because your life is forever changed. And um so yeah, our kids are very involved. Unfortunately, they have to be, you know, to run this organization is very difficult. And, you know, I've had two kids homeschooling this year um, due to COVID, not because I was afraid to send them because I still have several that are in school, but um, my two youngest are home just because they didn't want to wear a mask all day and be in school. And so um, we've had weekly service projects at Cornerstone. <laughs> That's what we've done and moving chairs and tables and, you know, carrying garbage out and all those kind of things. So my kids have grown up, you know, as Cornerstone being a part of our life and, and yet they know the purpose behind it. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's really a good way for us to teach service to our kids in the process, but it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work in a family. I will say that. So all all hands on deck there, all hands on deck. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So you mentioned the loss of your beloved Bobby, and I think yeah. that was back in 2000. 2000, yes. So can you just share with the audience what you're comfortable with, you know, the beauty of who he was, his age, and how um, sure. his passing transpired? Sure. Uh, we had all kind of, um, it was Mother's Day weekend. We had all kind of had a touch of a, a sort of flu that week. And I remember having a headache and just not feeling myself. I had another daughter that um, just kind of wasn't feeling good, kind of threw up a couple times, but got better. And then on that Saturday before Mother's Day, um, he said he wasn't feeling good. And um, I just thought it was like what we all had, you know, and uh, 
we, uh, that evening, I remember I put him to bed for a nap because I really wanted him to sleep, hoping that, you know, the sleeping has healing. Um, so I could tell he was just, just more so looking back at it, I could tell he was more lethargic. And I called in and I asked our pediatrician what to do. Um, and he said, you know, bring him down. I said, he just seems a little more lethargic than I remember from um, our other kids that day. Um, and so we brought him down to the ER and uh, they weren't rushing. They had kind of mentioned that, you know, if he, um, you know, we'd like to do a spinal tap. And I hear the word spinal tap and immediately I was like, gosh, that's the last thing I want to do. You know, it's probably a flu or something. And I've heard a lot of negative about that. So I wanted him to, I said, you know, what else, you know, they said, well, we'll treat him as if he was to have it. We'll treat him with everything else. And, and, um, and like two hours went by and then around, uh, the third hour, they said, you know, we're going to send him up to the, to the ICU just for evaluation. They'll probably go home tomorrow. We just want to make sure that everything's okay. Um, they didn't rush to get us up there. So like an hour later, um, they brought us up stairs and they said, give us five minutes to get him hooked up and we'll come and get you guys back into the room with him. So I kissed him and I said, we'll be right in there, buddy. And um, we went out into the waiting room and they said, five minutes. Well, 15 minutes goes by and I, we called in and I just said, I'm sorry, but you said five minutes. Our son is in there. They said, we're going to send a doctor out. I said, okay. So another 15 minutes goes by. I called back in. I'm like, I'm sorry, but now you've said five minutes and it's been longer than that. You've said twice I called. They said, no problem. I promise somebody's coming right out. Well, another 10, 15 minutes goes by. And I finally said, Mark, I'm done. Just go find our son. Yeah. So Mark ran into the room and literally came out in a few minutes and said that they had said to him, sir, I'm sorry, you have to go back out into the room. Your son is not the child that we thought they were sending up from the ER. Uh, we had to intubate him. He was having strokes of the brain. Um, and we will be out as soon as we possibly can. So, um, yeah, it it was extremely, you know, I think we were five years into our marriage and, you know, he's three years old. And um, I would say that night about 40 to 50 people came into the hospital and were praying. And I remember people praying with us and I just remember laying there and, sobbing at that point they had come out and said that we um we think that your son has meningitis we're not sure yet what kind about a few hours later they came out and said um he definitely has spinal meningitis and um you know we're not not sure he's going to make it um and that next morning we walked out of the hospital without our son so yeah. And we had to, um, I don't know, you know, go home to a house with, um, still two daughters. And I think I just immediately held them and then crawled in bed and our life was, uh, never the same in that moment. Forever changed. How? Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. And it's interesting because I know it's been 20 years Yeah, and the, I am in the studio, you know, tears coming down my face and 
just hearing the rawness in your voice like it's still how tender how tender it still is it is and uh you know I think what is so interesting is you know I think people think you just um you just heal from grief but I would never say that you're healed um I just got back from a trip and there was a song that I remember, it just came on. It was a Tarzan song because the yeah. Tarzan yeah. was one of his favorites. And it was the one about you'll be in my heart, you know, yeah. always. And, and it was almost like we used to sing that with each other. And honestly, 20 years later, we're all sitting in this van. And I swear to you, my husband and I were sobbing <laughs> just last week. And we turned around and our kids were sobbing. Now, most of our kids haven't even met him. Right. I can tell you that he is a part of every day. I mean, every day this kid is talked about. Every day this kid is, it's just changed our whole family. He just, he just, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that you ever get over it. Um, I think you just learn to live through it, you know, and you learn to... For us, it was a great, um, you know, a great crossroads for us in our faith. I would say we were going through the motions. And um, I don't think you can ever stay the same after the death of a loved one. You know, you're either going to go further from God or you're going to go grow closer to him. Because I know that I was asking all those questions after my son died. Like, um, and by the way, I was angry at God. I want you to know that. Like, I remember journaling to him, like, how could you do this? You knew my kids were everything. I probably love my kids more than my husband at the time. I, I'm sure I love my kids more, you know, than anyone really. They were just a part of everything and who I was. And I just wanted to be the best mom. So for me to lose a child, it was like, like you said, just forever changed. And, um, and I, I, I needed to answer, ask those questions. Like, what is this life about? What am I doing? Where's my son? How am I going to see him again? And I, I just think sometimes when you, you go through suffering, it's the only time you're going to ask those questions. Cause other than that, I didn't, I didn't ask those questions. I think I was sad a lot about losing my parents one day, but I could tell you this. I never, never thought really that I wanted to go to heaven. I never like thought about leaving this life. I was all about the here and now living for today and what next week and tomorrow was all for. And that was it. Right. And it sounds like, you know, through you, you said that Bobby's with you every day. Yeah. Children every day. And it's a legacy he's leaving his fingerprints all over this world. And again, as a mom, you'd be like, I'd rather have my son than leave this legacy. I'd rather back. I you know, I yeah. love you know, I'm sure you, you and Mark are very proud of the work that you do and the hard work and and how your family all, you know, jumps in. Sure. But there's a piece I'm sure like you know what? Screw the business. You can take all, all that back and exchange this. I can say that. I can say it's, it's, this is not like, sometimes I'm like, God, why? This isn't like a piece of cake. I wish I could say it was, or, or it's all glory, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, just running a business, it's, it's not easy. And, um, you know, we're, we're often just at the hands of God. And we always say, you know, he, um, 
I think, again, it was the first time we were put on our knees and we haven't gotten up since. And I can truly say that. I mean, our, our life has changed. We are daily praying because it is, it's not easy. And the stories that come through this place, I, you know, I think our story so bad and, and it's still so painful, but the stories that are coming through are, are unbelievable. And, and they honestly give me hope as you know, so many that I needed, I needed hope when I lost him. I needed to find another couple, another family had been through the loss of a child. Like I I needed that desperately. And I think that's what people are mostly looking for when they come there. They need hope. You know, I, I, I needed hope and I needed that so concretely. Like I just, I wanted to know that this is doable. Like I'm going to survive this. And, and sometimes I don't, I think people don't think they're going to survive. I really don't. No, that's good. And and as uh, as you guys have done this through hope, the Genesis Speaks movement is doing it through kindness and unconditional love, that you're not alone in your yeah. pain, in your shame, in your mistakes, in your trauma, in something sure. that you chose to do and maybe made a poor, poor choice or something that happened to you, that our past don't determine our future. And it doesn't, it doesn't make it a race and like, your the magic wands you know through your brain and you you forget all of the that past trauma or pain but it is that piece of hope and joy and kindness and unconditional love that joining in a community you're stronger versus being alone and isolated and and having that fight alone versus in a community of people and that's what you and mark created we always say you don't come to cornerstone because there's something wrong with you come because there's so something so right with you to the extent that you love is the extent that you will grieve and and we have a lot of lovers at cornerstone because i'm telling you these people are amazing and they're hurting so desperately and um i just really believe that we're meeting them where they're at and it doesn't mean you come there because you're so faithful and yet you're you know, you're crying inside of me. We have people that don't believe in God and it's okay. Cause I'm, I'm all about, like, I just want you to see that somebody is there to meet you where you're at. And in your sadness, we want to journey with you. It's not easy and we know how it feels. And again, I would have never understood how bad the holidays were. I mean, I, I wouldn't understand so much of my life if I hadn't gone through this experience you know, who would ever, I, I was going about the holidays singing my Christmas joy songs and, and all that goodness. And, and it's so good, but you know, I would have never thought that the person behind the cash register, I never could have thought about them. Like I wouldn't, I wasn't thinking like somebody could actually be having a really hard time at this time of year. You know, you go to Thanksgiving, you have an empty seat at your table, you go to go through Christmas. I, I, I just, I now know how hard these times are. And I feel so grateful to do what we do because we know how difficult it is. It's a, it's a humble leadership and servanthood that you guys, you know, are are birthing through Northeast Ohio and Columbus and beyond all, you know, across Ohio. And, and it's one of those things that, you know, my sister and I always laugh. We're like, these are the things, you know, the lessons you learn, like you'd rather not go through the pain, but the gold and the treasure, the perspective, the change spirit, the change uh, DNA that you could never have had you not walk through that. And I know that through my personal experience and, and my divorce 11 years ago and some of the pain that I went through and lost that I, the depth of compassion that was birthed 
after my divorce uh, was insurmountable. And, you know, like the judgmental eyes beforehand of, or, or lack of vision um, or lack of understanding beforehand. And then realizing, you know, through what the loss, the compassion that can be birthed through that as well. And that's so beautiful. And I'm so grateful you're doing this program because I, I think we all need, we all need, you know, heroes of this day to help us on the journey, you know, that um, in a world I feel that, you know, tries to push and numb the pain. That's not, it's not going to help you numbing your pain with alcohol, drugs, with all those things that we know are so readily available for us to numb the pain. It's not, that's not going to help us in the end. It doesn't. And, and, and having people like you to talk about what you've been through and through that, you're going to help somebody else. So, you know, I, I do like, again, I'm, I'm always humbled and I appreciate that, you know, you allow me to tell my story. Um, and I hate telling my story, but um, I'm, I'm grateful. I hope it helps someone to know that they're not alone and to know that, you know, that I, I always tell people that are going through the grief process, like you're the real heroes today. Like I really mean that because to go through the loss of someone you love so much and to still be able to get up and get out of bed and still and have that compassionate heart. That's amazing. Like it's, it's not easy to do. It's not actually even easy to be nice. You know, it's, you're, you're so consumed with yourself and, and your suffering and to actually be able to have this great sense of compassion is so incredible, but that comes later. Like, I also want to say that like one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever heard from our infectious disease doctor was like grieve for a year. You know, the Jewish faith gives you a year to not go to anything, to not be a part of a party, a graduation, which by the way, it took me two years. Like I couldn't go to any family events or anything. My brother's graduation, a wedding. I just, I, I just didn't want to bring people into my misery. I was so miserable. And, um, and I also think that people feel this thing, like if I don't have that pain, then I'm not so connected to my loved one. And they, and they don't want people to see them smile because then the people think that we're doing better, right? We're all good. And we should be back to normal in a month or two. You're lucky if you get that long. Um, and that's just not reality. I mean, my mother-in-law tells me all the time, like, she finally started to see sparks in us around 10 years. I mean, that's a long time to grieve, you know, and we did. And again, I, I would say, you know, I, I can go to that pain any day, any moment, any song, any trigger. And I think people can go through, go to that. It's like, it's like a wave. It's like, it hits you all of a sudden with a memory or a song or something that they loved. And you're back at it and it feels like it did when you were, you know, a few days out. I mean, it's bad. So, I mean, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I just don't think that we, um, we don't give permission to allow people to grieve in the world. And that's a really, I think that's even more so a part of Cornerstone is just the awareness that it's real. Like, really is real. It's, it's debilitating for so long. And, and the beautiful part that I love about Cornerstone though, is I see the faces of people that walk in on day one 
of a support group and they can't even talk. Like, honestly, they sit in their car. Sometimes we've had people tell a story that they, stories that they sit in their cars because they can't believe they actually are at a place to have to walk through that place, you know? So, um, to what it looks like on week 10, where they're talking and laughing because people there understand that that talking and laughing doesn't mean I'm better. Um, I'm, I'm functioning and you understand my pain. You're going through it too. So you know what I'm saying when I'm laughing, I'm, I'm, I'm still really hurting, yeah. but I'm able to laugh with you because you make me feel safe because I know you're hurting too. Yeah. So that's what I love. And I appreciate so much about what the work that's being done down there. No. And that's powerful because I feel like what your message is and the foundation of, you know, your whole ministry and your nonprofit is to give permission at no matter what stage of life, no matter what stage in, you know, it's been two months, it's been 20 years, it's been 40 years, but that song, that smell, that memory that comes back and it just does take you right back and that's normal and it's okay and it's healthy where most people are like, you know what, get, you know, get over it type of stuff. Like, come on, let's move, let's move on. Let's move on. It's been a long time. And to create a culture to say, no, that's really human. That's how we're wired. Yeah. And it's a part of that. And in Western culture, you know, you're lucky if you get a week off of work yeah. or anything to process and you're back to the grind and, and, yeah. and to allow the community and to have a community where, Hey, I may be laughing, or I may have a smile on my face, but I'm not really okay. And everyone really understands that totally. that's, that's, that, yeah. that's the pattern there and that's okay and it's welcome. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm thinking of a woman that I saw there that I didn't, was in our town and she showed up at one of our candlelight memorials and I was like, went up to her and I just sat by her and I go, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure who you lost and I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know that you were coming. And she said, I, I actually lost my baby 30 years ago and I've never, ever had the chance to really mourn her. And I was like, gosh, like, thank you, God. You're giving us, you know, giving a woman the permission to mourn her baby 30 years later than when she didn't get a chance to do it. And I, you know, I never really got into that, but it was just like, Oh, like God, you're so good. Like you allow something so, so incredible that I would have never thought, you know, that, that somebody could do that and, and come there for that purpose. So, I mean, there's so many stories and, you know, so many incredible things that have happened. And I just, I, I'm, I'm in awe, like I'm in awe of, of what he's done through this place. And I always say, it's not us. It is so him because listen, we were numb, you know, I mean, 2000, our son died. So, you know, by 2000, I want to say like 2003, uh, we started doing support groups and, you know, and, you know, I just, it's just, I don't know. It's really just powerful to think, you know, what, what God has done by putting people together and, and like, kind of like being a puppeteer and controlling all these things and bringing incredible people to us and, you know, helping us to do this. And again, it's a team. It's as I know, you know, what you do, it is a team. It is, it takes a village and, and it's so true because it's not just our story. And I say that this place is never just about our story because the stories of everyone that has come through this place, it, it just, it, I'm in, I'm in constant state of awe of the stories that come there and the people that are so incredibly strong and the compassion for 
what you know what happens there and the hope that they leave with and that's that's all I care about listen right. and I just want them to have hope and and be, because otherwise we're just putting a band-aid on it you know we're not we're not Absolutely. you know I don't I don't want to put a band-aid on it I want you to learn to walk with this grief but um to never like you know there's a, a really incredible statistic 80 percent of those incarcerated have an unresolved grief conflict as we talked about earlier if you don't deal with your grief you're gonna go for something else to fill those holes you're gonna go to the numbness of whatever that is um, that you want to numb your pain with and I just yeah, I just, I feel so blessed this place is there. And I always say it is there. It is exactly what I would have wanted so desperately when we lost our son. So. Well, and with that statistic too, I mean, it, if, if that's the incarcerated and you know, the, the number of people that you guys, you know, help at Cornerstone and the in-betweeners that, you know, we've had lost, but maybe not fully grieved it. You know, there's a, a whole society of walking wounded people, walking emotionally wounded people that we cope, that we cope, we, we work, we work out, we overeat, we numb through TV, alcohol, drugs, oh, yeah. sex, whatever that is yeah. to no lessen the pain and that it uh, comes out sideways somehow, whether it comes out in an argument with a loved one, a spouse, yeah. if it comes out in self-harm, if it comes out in a way that ends up in incarceration. So we are a society of walking wounded because we've not properly grieved through mm-hmm. you know, a woman of 30 years of losing her baby to, you know, someone that may be in their fifties, losing their, uh, a parent mm-hmm. and that whole, you know, gamut of loss. And we, you know, kind of in society, give them a weekend and be like, all right, let's, let's move on. And, you know, back to, back to life and back to normal. And that does not properly serve the way we're wired emotionally. So. Was there, no, right. was there no support group or like counseling around when Bobby lost? And that, is that why, you know, the kind of the birthing and finding community of, sure. uh, of other people around you and, and how Cornerstone started? So, uh, you know, we had once a month support groups uh, that we found in the basement of a hospice um, that was not professionally led. All of our all of our support groups are master level clinicians that lead these groups. So it's really important because I feel like it's such a vulnerable group. You can't just have anyone lead these groups. Um, again, counseling for us was one hundred and twenty dollars an hour. That's I mean, we couldn't afford that. My parents helped us. Um, we needed that. We went once a week for 10 weeks. We were desperate. Um, and it's so expensive. Um, and what do you do the 28 or 29 other days during the month when you're so, I mean, our daughter was picked up from a bus, you know, 40 feet in front of our house. We couldn't even get her to school. We couldn't get her on the bus on time 20 some days that year of having to bring her into school. My husband in his pajamas saying, I'm sorry, I just, we couldn't get out of bed. You know, like you, you didn't want to get out of bed. So, you know, I think they brought her into the guidance office one time for 15 minutes, sent us home with a book that was 25 years old. It's just people don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to help someone in their grief process. This was my daughter's best friend. Um, you know, she had a lot of struggles. And even today, she tells us the ways that, you know, we we maybe didn't help her and her grief and and. And so, you know, you, you, there's just so many. And what I love about Cornerstone is that we don't just serve the person we serve, you know, the entire family. So we have groups for kids and we have groups for adults and, and, you know, we have, um, art therapy and interventions for, you know, each 
what, you know, whatever your, your family is going through, whether it be a family counseling session. Um, so, you know, I just, again, I feel so blessed and grateful to have such incredible people down there that are really helping us to lead this organization and, and really think of new ways to help. Um, it's definitely been interesting with COVID. We've, you know, had to, um, we were blessed to really work through tele telehealth, but it's also incredible to know that even though this is happening, how many people still want to come in? And we have been, since May, we have been open back into the counseling one-on-one -on -one because people want to be sitting with someone in person. It's amazing the importance of relational ministry. We still have to keep that going, you know, and, and they're socially distanced and we do a really good job of making sure that that's all done and, and done properly, but it really says a lot about the human spirit. They need, we need people that we need each other. Well, and, and it's interesting because my uh, husband, Chad and I, we did uh, a counseling session for something right before COVID might've been right at the end of March. And then our next one was zoom and it was a night and day experience. And yeah. the, the one that's in the office that just creates an atmosphere of safety, of focusness so you're not distracted by the things in your house or your home or your dog sure. or you know what's going yeah. on and just the vast difference and it was interesting because we did the one zoom and we're like I think like what we needed to discuss we're good but it was just a night and day experience and yeah. and how much more valuable and how how you know facilitating that human connection is yeah. vital because yeah. there's a layer of healing and there's a layer of comfort and there's a layer of uh unveiling or getting you know, getting uh, into a position of vulnerability more quickly, potentially, just having someone close and holding a cup of coffee and, you know, just having that human interaction. So I applaud you guys for facilitating that that need for human connection as well. Thank so you. you guys have a special uh, building on your property, the tree house. Can you tell the audience, because I've been in it a few times and it's such a fabulous piece. One, your property is absolutely gorgeous. Your facilities are absolutely beautiful, but there's a real special uh, place on your property, the tree house. Can you share with the audience what that is? Sure. So, um, gosh, I, I want to say, well, a good many years ago, we were on the show, the Treehouse Masters. Mark wanted to build a treehouse just for a more secluded place for um, for more one-on-one -on -one and maybe more for like the young adults because they, they need like, you know, it's hard enough to want to come there, um, but then to come there and maybe have a special uh, sacred kind of place that you can go. Um, so the show uh, Treehouse Masters, um, you know, we were blessed to have a donor, um, you know, help us out with that process. He sponsored us and sponsored actually a woman who actually died. She was my aunt, believe it or not, was 52 years old, left eight children. And he wanted to do something in honor of her. And so this tree house is a butterfly tree house. It's really beautiful. It's all butterflies and it's secluded back into the woods of our, on our property. And, uh, it's just, uh, you just feel like you're in another place when you stand back there, you're in the midst of the trees and, and, you know, it just, it, again, it allows another sacred space for people to go and have one-on-one -on -one counseling and, um, for small group, um, therapies that we do. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's, people love to walk down there. They love to be back there. And, um, again, you're, they're, they're looking for peace, you know, they're, we're all looking for peace. And, and I think, gosh, now more than ever, but, um, you know, it's just, it kind of gives that, 
availability to us. Whereas, you know, the, the bigger main center is up at the uh, top of the hill and, you know, people, um, it's kind of busy. So this is a really nice secluded area. We're blessed to have that. So. And it's beautiful because like Christy said, it, you know, you come into the main parking lot and you go into the gorgeous main facility, but there's a lot of interaction, you know, people coming in or out or people just in the, the yeah. facility, whether it's employees or people, you know, uh, getting counseling, but it's just, it's almost like this, like walk with nature, God, you know, down to the tree house. And then yeah. this is this quiet respite of beauty and healing and, and it's just a gorgeous place. So once you. You know, that's I, what we I, wanted, Jen. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I remember, <laughs> I remember listening to Mark speak somewhere and hearing a little bit about the story of Bobby and your loss. And, you know, and he just said that the, the mantle or the call that he felt was uh, hearing a voice from God, just saying, don't waste this pain and don't waste this pain and don't waste this pain. And, and, you know, we always say, you know, we, you know, through me, like my story, my, my motto has been, you know, beauty will come from ashes. And, and there's a scripture verse that, that, you know, is about that. And, that, you know, God takes the weak to astound the wise. And there's all sorts of things that even through this podcast sharing that, you know, our, some of our greatest failures or some of our greatest losses become a vocal piece and trumpet of power and authority because we have firsthand experienced that. And I am in awe when Mark said this, and it was actually in a you know, secular business setting and just sharing the story of Cornerstone of Hope and just in awe of the story of, yes, I'm grieving, but we're going to do, we're going to make light out of darkness. We're going to, we're going to create hope out of pain and create a, a community where people really come together. And that was powerful. Yeah. We always say pain to purpose or tragedy to triumph. Um, you know, that, that God works through, you know, our messes and, I think again, like it's, it's that whole, you know, when we are weak, he is so strong. And, uh, I, I truly think that we both learned that in this whole process that, you know, it's truly that that's when God got a hold of our heart, you know, our son, you know, I, I didn't just stop loving our son when he died at three years old. I mean, if anything today, 20 years later, I honestly can say I love him more I am who I am because of him. And he brought me to know the Lord and in a way I never would have. And so I think like when I hold him again, like I'll, I'll be so just so thankful that he changed the course of our family life. Yeah. He changed. And yes, he brought Cornerstone, but he also just changed our life as a family. Like you know, all those silly things that we once fought about or all those things that were so important back then, they're not important anymore. What's important is what you do for others, the the difference that you make in people's lives and, and just also staying humble in who you are because, you know, we all need each other. We're all going to go through suffering. We're all broken. We all go through something. Everybody has a story. And I love what you're doing, Jen, because it's, it, it is. And we need to hear each other's stories because, you know, it makes us feel like we're not alone and that, you know, we can get through this together and we need each other, you know? And, um, and so I love it. And I'm, I'm so grateful to that. We met you and, and, you know, and, uh, I just, I just feel really blessed. Um, 
yeah, again, he never, he never surprises me that he puts incredible people in our past. So um, I appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. So, so what was Bobby's personality like? Was he shy and quiet? Was he rambunctious? <laughs> was he, was he, you know, an introvert, extrovert? You're so sweet. He was, you know, he, he was a typical three-year-old <laughs> um, in so many ways. He loved trucks. And like I said, he loved Tarzan and and all those good things. He loved Blue's Clues. And, and um, But the thing that he did, I think that was one of the most powerful things for me was every time I would leave to go out the door, and those very rare occasions that I would leave and not give him a kiss, okay. he would always say, mommy, mommy, wait, I have to give you a kiss. Run up to me and run in my arms and hug me and kiss me. And, uh, oh, I I love it. Like I'll, I'll, I forever treasure that, you know, ever treasure the gift that he gave me. In fact, my husband put it in three pictures of him hugging me, kissing me. And then, you know, wrote that at the bottom, like, you know, wait, mommy, I have to give you a kiss. And so it's amazing. Like I, I feel so blessed to love as much as I love. And I know I'm getting so sappy and I didn't want to do this today, but um, it's, it's, I also think this year has really made us feel like, you know, we have a lot to be grateful for, you know, this is not an easy time on anybody. And yet we have to just treasure this time of waiting and being patient and out of control, <laughs> right? Cause none of us can control this and we're all like losing our minds cause we can't control it. And yet there's really something so profound being taught to all of us in this waiting and being patient and, uh, and being grateful because we all have a lot to be grateful for. And yes, you know, there's some that are struggling so badly right now, but those of us that know that we have to reach out even more. And it's a both, part. Yeah. And it's a both and because I think the ones who realize it and need to reach out, there's that gift of, of extending a hand and a warm touch and, you know, a hot cup of coffee, something that, that just connects yeah. and brings, brings in. But the other flip side is, you know, I'm in a belief that no matter how dark, how dark things get in my life or in someone else's life, we, we can choose gratitude of something. And it could be a simple, it could be a simple thing. It could be, you know, I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful that I have a hot meal this morning. I'm grateful for something. And that practice of gratitude, and sometimes it's a muscle that we're like clenched down and, you know, clamoring down and saying there's nothing good and there's nothing to be grateful for. But every inch of gratitude, every yes in your heart or spirit, you know, it changes our DNA somehow, some way. And my encouragement to anyone that's listening is whether you're in a place of hope and and, and can and gift that to someone else. And, and that's a huge goal with the Genesis Speaks movement of just to give out hope and encouragement and life and gratitude and model it and bring in community. But also just uh, anyone who is really struggling that just silence your heart for just a moment and take a deep breath in and, and hear a whisper of something to be grateful for because some something is going to arise up even in the darkest days whether it's a person a face a situation and uh, just to practice that piece of gratitude and i love coming off of thanksgiving you know last week and going into the holidays of you know i've i've had close friends over the last 3 weeks that have lost and i know you have too that have lost loved ones over the last 3 weeks and 
you know, can't imagine going into a holiday that we've been isolated and alone and now going through holidays, you know, at another level of grief and isolation and pain, but know that there's a community of people out here um, that are extending loving arms towards you as well. So, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I do just because I, I know it's such a hard time. I, I guess my, my one thing that I'd want to say is just, you know, for the people that are grieving at this time of year, you know, I, I want so desperately to just tell you to, to please just, uh, you know, give yourself permission to do what is best for you at this time of year. You know, you're going to have a lot of people pulling you because they want to feel better about being closer with you, but that doesn't mean that's what's best for you. It may be better for you to change things up, to get away. It might be better for you to just say no, I'm just not able to do it. And those that love you and truly want what's best for you are going to understand, you know, you're suffering at this time and know that you need to be alone. And, you know, there's so many things that I, I did at the holidays. Cause I honestly didn't even want to put up a Christmas tree for many years. I had to mark do it with some of our kids and, um, I, cause I, I just couldn't even do it. Um, but every year now, 20 years, every Christmas card we have ever sent out has always had a picture of Bobby on it. Um, you know, I would make a wreath for him every Christmas year, every Christmas and go put it down on his grave. Um, you know, there's so many ways that we can honor our loved ones. We do things at Cornerstone all the time, a candlelight memorial that we have so beautifully to uh, remember each person's loved one, but also like making an ornament. We have an ornament making workshop. So maybe you don't even, you're not with the person that lost someone, but you make an ornament in honor of their loved one and then you give it to them. You know, there's so many ways that you can help someone that is grieving at this time or even throughout the year. There's so many ways. And, you know, I just, I want to, to just to say that because it's, it is such a hard time. And I think, again, what you talked about is just giving permission to people to also allow them to grieve the way they need to grieve. So again, because we're all different, we all need to remember that somebody isn't going to do necessarily what we want them to do, but what they need to do for them. And that's what we have to allow them to be able to do. So that's powerful. And that's powerful. And the encouragement of this, you know, compounding what Christy said is if you're around someone that is grieving just that unconditional love and allow them to be unoffended by their choices to be unoffended by their body to be unoffended you said by that so perfectly. their their choice to be alone it's because it's not about not wanting to be with you it's just about them self-care they're them giving themselves self-care so that's that's so it's so beautiful how you said it it really is and that's that's I had a clarifying question from uh, our pre-interview stuff because um, as we re- did some research about Cornerstone of Hope's programming, there you, your website mentions, or maybe you mentioned that there's trauma loss and there's complicated loss. And what is the difference between those two things? Okay. So, so for example, traumatic grief is a suicide, a murder, um, it's maybe somebody that even witnessed a death and maybe you didn't die. So you have guilt with that. You have a lot of suffering with that, that we maybe none of us can really understand. So that's traumatic grief. Okay. And complicated grief is a grief that let's just say you didn't have that, you know, maybe it was your ex-husband that died. So you didn't have a good relationship with him or somebody, your sister that you didn't have a good relationship with. That is more of a uh, complicated grief where you're not, 
it, it was a really, it's just, there's a lot more to it than just the grief. So you have some guilt, maybe or um, again, maybe the relationship wasn't the best um, at the time. Yeah. Of death. So, wow. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more. Um, I wish I could say we're, we we're just seeing, you know, grief and, and just simple things. It's just, unfortunately it's not. Well, the, and suicides, and, our overdoses, all of those have unfortunately skyrocketed and um, it's, it's, it's just not easy. So, yeah. And I think the beautiful part though, is that you guys provide support in all of those areas. So we do, we have specific loss groups and those are, you know, it, it could be miscarriage. It could be military loss, murder loss, suicide, loss of spouse, loss of child, grandparents group. We have a lot of different groups now. Um, again, because the needs of the community were, we're trying to meet their needs. So which is powerful because I think that a lot of people associate grief with just, Hey, I lost a, a significant other, you know, I'm, sure. I'm grieving, but to say that there's a support system here and we'll provide uh, the cornerstone of hopes uh, contact information as well on our website, just so that you can directly see and, and connect with the resources there and to find out, you know, what, what would be available if this is something that, is resonating with you as you're listening to this story. So let's end with maybe something, a gift to the audience of encouragement, of closing remarks, of hope, of love, uh, knowing that, you know, this message here is fully entrenched in, you're not alone, and there is support there. But what would be some closing remarks just to share directly with our audience and specifically, you know, we're mostly women, you know, a women oriented audience that incites or breathes hope or life or just that community or connection that a lot of us may be dealing with through this time? would say, um, I would say that to remember that there's not something wrong with you. You know, again, to the extent that you love is the extent that you will grieve. And as women, we are so blessed to have these nurturing, loving hearts. That is a gift. I mean, I, I, I believe it's a gift. Uh, my husband, you know, again, is so helpful and complimentary to me as a woman, and he helps to definitely make me better. Um, but I, I love that we see things about our children and our husbands and, and people in the world that, you know, we just have, I, I, I don't want to say, I just think it's a deeper, different sense of compassion and nurturing that we as women are so blessed to have. It is a gift because we see things that they may not necessarily see. And so there is not something wrong with you because you're grieving. I think one of the best things that I see at Cornerstone is when I see a man come in and he is so broken for the loss of his wife or his son or his daughter. I am, I'm in awe of, of just these incredibly humble people that are saying like, I need help. I am so broken right now and I, I can't even do this. So I, I'm just, I don't want people to think that there's something wrong with them because there's not, there's actually something so incredibly powerfully beautiful about them. Again, to the extent that you love is the extent that you will grieve. This is not easy. We are forever changed. 
But that doesn't mean that we can't still be so incredibly amazing. See, I always tell people it's not, you know, that day, that memory, that moment. It's what and who you become from that day, from that memory, from that moment. It's who you become from that. That is so incredibly powerful. But again, it takes a lot of work. It's not like you're just going to go, oh, I'm just going to be all better in a year. It just, that doesn't happen. And we have to give ourselves and others the permission to not expect that. I think as someone who loves somebody who is grieving, we also have to understand that. We cannot expect people to be what we want them to be or how much better we expect them to be at a certain point. That's just not realistic. Um, so that would be my word of, I hope, encouragement, because, um, I really wish that somebody would have said that to me. You know, I, again, it took me a long time. In fact, I think years two and three are harder than year one. Wow. Um, and year one, year, years, years two and three, this is your new reality. Like this is now what your life looks like. And that is really hard to face in years two and three. So I, I just don't think like, Again, our world gives permission for people to grieve and, and we want everybody to be better, be better, be better, get fixed, be fixed. You should be fixed. And it's just not like that. So I pray and hope that if anything, we were able today to bring an awareness to people to understand that grief really is a process. It's, it's not simple and yet it's very hard work, but what can happen on the other side is so awesome. And I think that's what I love to see when when I'm blessed to see people for years through the process of what happens when you work through the grief, the really hard stuff. Yeah. So the takeaway on that is that it takes work and time. So you have to have an activation to work through your grief, but it's not an overnight or next month or six months. And I think it's powerful because I, I would not have I mean, intuitively, I would say, yes, that makes sense, but I would not have articulated it that the first year is numbness and the second and third year is reality setting in of here's my new normal and that piece of moving on or creating new memories or moving on in life in different ways, vacations or holidays or life situations that becomes harder. And so trying those, exploring those new things uh, outside of the numbness, I'm sure is another painstaking um, level of grief that you continue to walk through. So said it perfectly. That's yep. powerful. And my takeaway on it uh, for those who are listening is, I know this is my heart. I know it's Christy and Mark's heart is that you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. And there's resources. And I've said this, we're not counselors. Genesis speaks. We're not counselor. I'm not a counselor. I am just a connector of people that do great work and have powerful stories. And, and so absolutely we'll have Cornerstone of Hope's resources and websites so you can get uh, in touch with them directly. And we just want to be that connector of people to bring hope and light and healing and joy and unconditional love in a world that we are hurting and we're alone and we're isolated. And so I just want to continue just to reiterate, you're not alone. And there are people out there who are wanting you to join a community of like-minded in uh, like-mindedness that is a non-judgmental atmosphere that you are welcome just as you are and and that that is all throughout the heart of you know Genesis speaks as well as Cornerstone of Hope. So 
Well, thank you. So great, Jen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so honored. It's so great to see your smile. I am too. I am too. You guys are are the best. God bless you and all your work that you're doing. Sounds good. Well, you have a great one. And thanks everyone for listening today. And join us next week. We will be closing out our season one. And I'll be sharing a story about myself that I've not publicly shared yet uh, before. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be closing out season one and then wrapping up for the holidays and launching season two in January. So everyone have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Genesis Speaks podcast. If you love the show, one of the best things you can do is to share it with a friend. Tell them what you like about it, how it inspires you, and invite them to listen. Subscribe to the Genesis Movement to empower women's voices and reclaim the power over your own narrative.